0: We just sang this just a couple of days ago in our chapel service at JSBC and I can't help once again, but to think of Moses, Moses, who had just met with God in a burning bush, Moses, who had just watched as God sent him into Egypt and at his very word, plagues were unleashed on the nation of Egypt. And with each plague, still a resilience would grow within the heart of Pharaoh. And I can't imagine what would be going through Moses's mind. I understand that he was a man of faith, but he was also a man of like passions, such as we are. I can't imagine what it was like to have to walk and march myself back in to Pharaoh's court and tell him one more plague is coming. And then to not see it happen. To not see the deliverance take place. And then have to come back in and then go back out. Not see it happen. Come back in, go back out, not see it happen. And then finally God says, I have one last plague. Everybody put blood upon the doorposts of your home. Go ahead and pack your bags. Eat the lamb. Because once this night is over, you're leaving Egypt. And that day come and they left Egypt. And I could almost imagine Moses thinking, Finally, finally, we're walking out of this place. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And it looks like they're on the home stretch. And as they're departing Egypt, here comes the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's decided, I'm not through with Israel yet. You got a Red Sea in front of you and you got the armies of Egypt behind you and you don't know what in the world to do. Have you felt hard pressed lately? You feel like your back is against the wall lately? Can I remind you of what God did in Egypt? Can I remind you of how God led you out of Egypt? There might be a Red Sea in front of you tonight. And there might be an army closing in behind you tonight. You might be hard pressed on every corner. Lately, this past couple of weeks, I've felt hard pressed on every side. Don't understand why I'm going through all of the things that I'm going through. Don't understand why I'm hearing these accusations, why I'm dealing with issues of my own health, things going on in our family, not understanding why I feel pressed on every side. Well, I just encourage you to sing tonight. I thank you for the mountains. And I thank you for the valleys. And I thank you tonight for every single storm that you've brought me through. Because if I had never had a problem, I'm gonna ask y'all to sing it again. If I had never had a problem, I wouldn't know how God could solve them. I wouldn't know tonight what faith in my God can do. If you feel hard pressed tonight, singing with them. Oh well, I thank God for the. Go ahead and thank Him tonight. I thank Him for the valley. Thank Him for that valley you're in. I thank You for the storms You brought me through, Lord. Oh yes. Oh, for if I'd never had a problem. I wouldn't know how you could solve this Would't know what faith in God could do. Just wait through it all. Those seas are gonna open through up. It all. Those waters they're gonna part. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I will learn That enemy that's pursuing God. you tonight is gonna be drowned through in that ocean. Drown it tonight in an ocean of praise. In an ocean of worship. To depend on His Word. Yes. Oh, through it all, Sing it out to Him tonight. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word, oh, yes, and through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus, yes, I've learned to trust in God, through it all, through it all. To depend upon his word come on give the lord praise tonight come on preach it to yourself tonight go ahead and just preach to yourself a little bit tonight god you're gonna see me through god you're gonna bring me through god you're gonna take me through Keep the cross before you tonight and those waters are going to part. Keep Calvary before you tonight and those waters are going to part. And when you make it through that Red Sea, you're going to have to come up against the bitter waters of Marah. Just take that tree and throw it into those waters and it'll be made sweet. As you're wandering through the land to get to the promised land, you're going to hear some complaints. From people about you <laughs> just lift up a shout of praise to the Lord because he will fight for you I'm telling you tonight you know what if it ain't preaching to you tonight it's preaching to me tonight I'm recalling tonight the faithfulness of my God where he has stood for me time and time again and I have courage that he'll take a stand for me one more time do you believe it tonight He's going to see you through tonight. Amen, amen. Thank you, singers. Thank you, musicians. Man, I'm so thankful tonight that we can sing a song like that. That Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. And I'm thankful for what the Lord has done, is doing, and what He plans to do in all of our hearts and in all of our lives. And again, I just want to... Uh, say thank you to the hospitality that all of you have shown us your kindness and your uh, your hospitality. Again, is uh, it's rival- It's unmatched. I don't know. It rivals other many other places that we've been to. And I'm just I'm grateful uh, for this community, grateful for what God's going to do in this community. Um, and again, what I said this morning, I believe it with all of my heart, the best really is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Turn in your Bibles tonight to Romans Chapter 13. And um, I don't plan on keeping you long. That means nothing. But I do want to say it to at least give you some hope tonight. Romans chapter 13, I'm going to read one verse tonight. One verse. We're going to be looking at verse 11 tonight. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And that, knowing the time, Are you aware tonight of what time it is? If you are not aware of what time it is that you and I are living in, then you're not paying attention to what's going on in this world. I hope you see what time it is in this world that you and I are living in. I don't know what the days of Noah looked like exactly, but I'd have to imagine that what we see in the United States of America and around the world is getting pretty close to what those days looked like. And if that is the case, ladies and gentlemen, then I'm here to tell you tonight that soon and very soon the trumpet of God is going to sound. The end is drawing near, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled, God needs you to wake up. God needs you. God needs me. God needs us to wake up. And to become very aware of the time it is in which you and I are living. And that we would adjust our lives accordingly god needs you god needs me god needs us to wake up pray with me tonight heavenly father we enter into your courts with praise tonight and into your gates with thanksgiving lord tonight we thank you of your faithfulness we thank you of your goodness and your kindness and your mercies lord we thank you tonight for how good you have been how faithful you have been to us lord and we take courage in your faithfulness to us in the past that You will prove faithful in this current thing that we're walking through tonight. Lord, we thank You for Your faithfulness. Through it all, Lord, we've learned to trust in Jesus. And Lord, tonight I ask that the same Spirit that we have felt in the praise and worship would continue to move in this house tonight. Father, I pray that You would give us ears to hear, that You would give us eyes to see, that You would give us a heart pliable, a heart open, To receive what it is that you want to tell us tonight. Lord, I'm asking you that you would wake us up out of our sleep. Wake us up out of our slumber. Lord, that we would walk in the fullness of what it is that your son Jesus Christ has made available to us. I'm asking you give every person in this room a spirit of wisdom. And a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would know the hope of his calling. The rich is planted in the saints and the power available to those of us who believe. And we will give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah, there is a prophecy that is given. It's called the prophecy of Duma. And in that prophecy, there is a uh, watchman that is up on the wall. And a man cries from the bottom of the tower to the top of the tower and says, Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman says, morning comes, and also the night. You would have to understand the situation that's taking place as this prophecy is recorded. What is happening is Babylon is marching from Babylonia down into and past Israel to fight with the Assyrian Empire. And as Babylon is traveling to fight with the Assyrian Empire, they're going to have to pass through the village of Duma. It was a very small village, a village that had no way of defending itself against such a mighty kingdom and such a mighty uh, uh, army that was marching through the city. So the only thing that a village like that would be able to do when such a a mighty army would be walking through is simply to comply. Give them whatever they want, because if you resist, you die. And they'll take what they want by force. So Duma did what it had to do. Duma complied. And the question that really this man is asking the watchman up on the wall is, who do you see coming back? Because if it's Babylon, then it's mourning. There will be a cause for rejoicing. But if you see Assyria, the nation that we have just essentially allied ourselves against, Then it's night, and it's a time of great dread. I'm here to tell you tonight, as I look out the landscape of the United States of America, I am not a prophet, neither am I the son of a prophet. And I'm not here to prophesy to you tonight. There have been many prophets prophesying to us about the future of the United States of America, and we have found them to be false and not true. I cannot tell you and I am not going to attempt to tell you what the future of the United States of America looks like, but if I were to give a guess and an educated guess at that, a biblically educated guess at that, I would say that it looks like what the the watchman saw coming. I don't know. That's what the watchman is telling him. I see both on its way. I see morning coming, but I also see the night. I'm looking out at America and I'm telling you the truth. I think honestly, to be completely and entirely honest with you, I see a time of great dread coming to the United States of America. I know it's not what we want to hear. I know it's not what we hope to hear, but I believe it's what is, what is true. No nation can live in the type of immorality and sin that we have lived in and practice the type of sin and immorality that we've been practicing and hope to remain in any type of comfortable, blessed existence. But I also see morning coming because if there's one thing that I have found true in Scripture, that when the church was hard-pressed, oh, hear me tonight, when the church was persecuted, when the church was being pressured to conform to the world, here's what the church began to do. They began to lift high a cry for the cause of Jesus Christ. I see a time of dread coming, but I also see a time of mourning. I see a terror coming, but I also see hope. I don't know, and I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know what, it might look like. But I do believe I see in the future for the United States of America, darkness and night, and light. Night and morning. But the question for us today is will we awake out of our spiritual sleep? You know, Martin Luther came up with a parable talking about how Satan might find the best way that he could destroy the souls of men and says that one spirit said that there was a company of Christians crossing the desert and that spirit told Satan I loose the lions upon them. And soon the sands of the desert were strewn with their mangled corpses. Satan said, what of that? The lions destroyed their bodies, but their souls were saved. It's their souls that I'm after. Another reported there was a company of Christians pilgriming sailing through the sea on a vessel. And I sent a great wind against the ship and I drove the ship on the rocks and every Christian aboard was drowned. Satan said, what of that? Their bodies were drowned in the sea, but their souls were saved. It is their souls that I am after. The third came forward to give his report and he said for 10 years, I have worked tirelessly to cast a Christian into a deep sleep and I have succeeded. And Martin Luther said that a great shout of praise began to ring out through the corridors of hell rejoicing that another that a christian had fallen asleep. Martin Luther said, "Awake, awake! Hear the call of the Lord, because there's only a little bit of light remaining for us to work." I hope y'all hear me tonight. There's only a little bit of light left remaining for us to work. God forbid that we live asleep while there's only a little bit of light left, a little bit of light remaining for us to be about our Father's business. We speak as people who are constantly looking ahead Looking out into the future, and what are we looking for? The American church, especially the Pentecostal community, constantly looking for, living for, waiting for, praying for a revival. Revival talk, revival culture, I believe has done more to put the body of Jesus Christ to sleep than anything that the devil could throw at us. I said it last night to the youth group and I'll say it to you tonight. I have a good friend named Sean Murphy, he's associate pastor in Crossfire Youth Ministries, and Sean made this statement I'll never forget it. He said, "Living for God in the future requires no sacrifice in the present." Awaiting to live for God in the future requires nothing of you right now. You right now are living in sin and you're saying, well, God's going to move in the future. And when he does move in the future, there will be a moral revival that will take place inside of my heart. Such a day is never coming. You're looking ahead of the future and you're saying that there's a day where God is coming. And I then on that day, when that revival hits, I will consecrate myself the way that some of these other men have consecrated themselves in revival culture. A day such as that, my friend, is never coming. It doesn't matter how God begins to move. If you don't want him today, you won't want him tomorrow. We put a day off in the distant future that we're waiting. We're saying, God, when he moves, then then I will be forced to get outside of my comfort zone and to go out into the highways and to go out into the byways and to go out into the streets. And I'll tell the lost then about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you tonight that such a day is never coming. We've got to quit waiting. What if I told you tonight that you have absolutely everything you need? Do you know what the word revival means? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever actually gave it a moment to contemplate the concept? Revival. Revival would mean that there's something dead in need of being brought back to life. I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're a born-again child of God, you by no means are dead. Uh, let's, Let's talk about it for a minute. You were dead in trespasses and in sins, but God hath quickened you together with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not dead. Jesus Christ did not come to give you death. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. He did not come to tell you that once you get born again, you will be dead. You're not dead. You are not dead. You are not dead. You are not Lazarus in the tomb. You've already come forth. The grave clothes have already let you go. You have already sat down at a table of fellowship with the Master tonight. You're alive in Christ Jesus. Woo! I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ, he lives in me. And this life I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are not dead tonight. You were dead. But tonight, you are alive. Tonight, you have been brought to life in Christ Jesus. You're not someone, hear me, who is in need of reviving. You have already been revived. You have already been brought to life. You are are capable tonight of walking in the newness of life that has been made available to you in Christ Jesus. You've already, listen, we're crying out for another Azusa Street. You got a church somewhere in, in California that is telling us that we need to, uh, we, <laughs> it's the craziest thing in the world, that we need to adopt New Age practices. What's New Age practices? Witchcraft. And I'm not talking about like hidden, quote, unquote, we're just calling something witchcraft, quite literally witchcraft, palm reading, seances, necromancy, speaking with the dead, astral projection. Wrote a book on it. Said in order for us to have another Pentecost, we're going to have to adopt these new age practices to make it happen. The first problem is that they're looking for something they've already been given. Think about it. Why did we need, we say it all the time, we want another Azusa Street. You don't need another Azusa Street. you Who in here has been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Look at that. You've got what they got. You've been filled with the same Holy Ghost that they were filled with in 1906 at Azusa Street. You've got what you need tonight. Do I have anybody in here who believes me tonight? And that power has come upon you tonight. Listen, here's the problem. We started giving, we started giving assignments to the baptism with the Holy Spirit that the Bible doesn't give We started assigning the baptism with the Holy Spirit to sanctification. And we began to learn that the baptism with the Holy Spirit did not help us get victory over sin. We found a frustrated Christian experience and we didn't know what to do. So now we're not walking in victory. Now we got to come up with other things that the Holy Spirit came upon us to do. Well, if you. Trying to run a business, brother. You need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Can I say something tonight so I don't sound like I'm making light of what people have said? I believe that the Holy Spirit will assist you in every area of your life. If you are running a business, if you are a lawyer, if you are a plumber, if you're a teacher, if you're whatever you are, I believe the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and give you the grace you need to do whatever it is he wants you to do in this life. But can I tell you, the only Biblical purpose that the Bible defines as the, for the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for you to be a witness of Jesus Christ in the, in the earth today, to be a light in Orange County, Texas. To be a light in your high school, to be a light in your middle school, to be a light on your workplace. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit came to do. He came alongside of you to help you do what you cannot do naturally. You've been made alive in Jesus Christ. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, but I look through the Bible and I find nothing lacking. I said, I find nothing lacking. I said, I find nothing lacking, nothing, nothing more that you need, nothing more that you got to receive, nothing more. You got it all. I said, you got it all. You got all you need. I said, you got all you need. You've got it all tonight. And Jesus is saying, I want y'all to see something. So you don't think that it's only Peter's job and you don't think it's only John's job. See, when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the early church, Peter is primarily the figure that God used in Jerusalem. He was one of the apostles, one of the 12. God used him in a mighty way. But then there was a problem that came up. Widows weren't getting what they needed. And God said, well, we need more leadership in the church. we established the order of deacons. And there's a man by the name of Philip, and he began to be, the church began to be persecuted. So Philip got pushed down into Samaria. And Philip, who's just a deacon, not one of the 12, but he's full of the Holy Ghost, he started preaching the gospel in Samaria. Guess what began to happen? They started to get saved. So we see an apostle, now a deacon, but then the gospel of Jesus Christ begins to spread up into Antioch, Syria. You know who took it up there? We don't know their names. They're just called certain men of Cyprus and Cyrene. So what did I find out today? I found out that an apostle can be used by God. I found out that a deacon can be used by God, but I also found out that there's some no names out there that God can fill with his spirit and use them to bring the gospel to the world. You don't have to have a platform. You don't need this. You don't have to. I'm not going to pick it up. You do not need this tonight. You don't need this. All you need is what you've already got to get out there in the highways, to go into the hedges. Mm. And tell them about Jesus. You don't need something to come on you in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got what you need today. Oh, this is good news. I said it's good news I said it's good news you got everything you need see revival cultures lulled us to sleep intimidation by the culture has lulled us to sleep we're afraid to go out there and talk to the transgender community because we're afraid we might catch some resistance yeah well Stephen wasn't ashamed to stand up in front of the synagogue that he most likely had worked out of and tell him Jesus is the one we've been missing It cost him his life, but Paul was standing by. (laughs) Even if you give your life for the cause of Jesus Christ, it will not be worthless. Are you going to face resistance in a culture that's growing more anti-God by the second? You better bet you are. But now is the time where we can see in the midst of the greatest darkness, if we'll just trust God, just a glimmer of light, just a glimmer of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ can change everything. Revival has been boiled down to an idea of a political transformation in the United States of America or possibly an economic transformation in the United States of America. We've even considered the idea that the need for revival is for a moral transformation in the United States of America. You cannot moralize a sinner, ladies and gentlemen. The hope for America is not a change in political status and it's not a change in the economic status. The, the apostles said to Jesus, when he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait, they said, is this the time that you will restore the glory of Israel? I think the church has gotten lost in asking God, is this now the hour that you're going to restore the glory of the United States of America? Look, I hope we get some good political figures up there in office. I hope the economy turns around. $16 in gas is a whole lot better than 50 But I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus said to them, don't you worry about that. But here's what you need to do. You get filled with the power of God. And you go be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and into the utter, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Some of us need to get our eyes off of the turmoil that is our political structure today, the turmoil of our economic system, the turmoil of the depravity that is running rampant in our nation and just go out there and tell them about Jesus. Tonight, I'm here to ask you to wake up, get up. Get out of your slumber of waiting. This position of apathy. This position of lethargy. You know, we literally are living just like the Laodicean church. Rich, increased with goods, in need of nothing. Not realizing we're naked, we're poor, we're miserable. And we're in great need. Living apathetic, we're lukewarm. We're at the place where Jesus wants to spew us out of his mouth. He said, I would, you are hot or cold. Not that you were saved or unsaved. There were two cities outside of Laodicea that sent water into the city of Laodicea. From Hierapolis came hot mineral waters. From Colossae came cold spring water. They traveled by aqueducts. The further that the water drifted away from its source, it became lukewarm. Why did it become lukewarm? Because it was affected by the elements. See, the reason you and I are sleeping and slumbering tonight is because we've drifted away from our source. We've been affected by the elements. We've been affected by the powers of darkness. We've been affected by the world. We've been affected by an apostate church. We've been affected by our own sin and our own flesh. We've been affected by this world system. And we found ourselves asleep. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you tonight, get back to the source. Let your eyes be open to the reality of what Jesus Christ has already given to you. Come back to Calvary. People who are awake are living a certain way. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Listen, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off. Cast off. This is your job. This is what you have to do. Why can you do this? Because you've been baptized into Jesus Christ. Because you've been buried with Him. Because you've been raised up with Him to walk in newness of life. Because it is true that you're dead to sin tonight. Every born again child of God, this is true. You are dead to sin tonight. You are dead. Positionally speaking, in Christ you're dead. Here's what you got to do now. You've got to reckon that to be true. You have to believe it. you got to believe it. I said you got to believe it. I am dead. Not just so-and-so is dead, or Paris is dead, or Pastor JR is dead, or Brother Jason is dead, Sister Cat is dead. No, I'm dead to sin. I don't have to keep answering the call when sin comes calling. Because I'm dead. And now you got to take it a step further. Now you, because it is true, because you do believe it, now you have to quit giving your body to it. Were you saying victory is in in your own willpower? No, I'm not. I'm telling you, you've already got victory. Now stop living like you don't. Cast off the works of darkness. Put it off. Put on the armor of light. See, those of us that are awake, those of us that are uh, no longer asleep in this spiritual apathy of waiting on God to do so, of waiting, God's already done what needs to be done. I'm not saying that God won't move in the future. That's not the idea here. I'm telling you that what you need to live for Jesus Christ has already been given to you. Those of us who are living this way, we're the ones who have already purchased oil. We're the ones who are up at night trimming our wicks. We're the ones that are preparing ourselves, spiritually speaking, for the coming of Christ. John said this in 1st John, for those of us who have this hope, what hope? That there's a moment coming where we're going to see Him and we're going to be as He is. Those of us who have that hope, we purify ourselves, even as He is pure. We're the ones making ourselves ready. We're alert. We're awake. And we're aware that Jesus may return at any moment. You see, the early church didn't live with an expectation of revival. (laughs) They live with an expectation of the return of Christ and that changed everything about them. See, if I live with an expectation of revival, then I can put God in the future. And I don't have to do anything until that happens. I don't have to change till that happens. I don't have to witness till that happens. I don't have to consecrate myself till that happens. But when I don't know if what I, the one thing that I'm actually waiting on is the return of Christ, I don't have any time to spare. He might come back tomorrow. What if I'm not ready? I can't be not ready. I've got to make myself ready. I'm going to go buy oil. Because he might come at a, an inconvenient hour. But if he comes at an inconvenient hour, I'm going to have oil. I'm going to have a trimmed wick. I'm going to be ready for him. I'm going to be right with him. Those of us who are making ourselves ready, we're the ones receiving grace. Receiving grace for what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We're the ones receiving grace. Grace to do what? To live soberly. To live righteously. To live godly in this present age. Those of us who are awake, we're preparing ourselves to meet the bridegroom because we want to be pure and spotless at His return. You see, those of us who are awake and awaiting the return of Christ, we are not okay with the sin in our lives. We are not comfortable with the failure that we continue to do over and over and over again. We're looking for victory. We're pressing in. We're believing. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to change us. We're receiving the grace of God so that that transformation will take place. How do I receive grace? What is grace? Tonight I want you to know that grace is the help of the Holy Spirit. That is what the grace of God is. That is what the goodness of God is. Paul defined the grace of God as the help of the Holy Spirit. That it was grace that helped Him to minister. It was grace that brought Him salvation. And it was grace that was sanctifying Him. All of those things Jesus said was the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. Grace and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. You do not receive grace without receiving the help of the Holy Spirit. You do not receive the help of the Holy Spirit without receiving grace tonight. Well, how do I get grace? You've been saved by grace. through faith is not of yourselves it's a gift of god you are his workmanship tonight this life i now live in the flesh i live it by faith in the son of god the person of jesus christ who loved me and gave himself for me the work of jesus christ so i put my faith in jesus christ and what he did at calvary And as I do that, I do not frustrate the grace of God. How do you receive grace tonight? How do you receive help to purify yourself? To be ready when the bridegroom's coming? You place your faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, and the grace of God will flow into your heart and bring a change and a transformation. Those of us who are awake, we're making ourselves ready. Those of us who are awake, We are working, we must work the works of him who has sent me while it is day for the night is coming where no man can work. Those of us who are awake, we are aware that there are souls that we walk beside every single day and they are dying and on their way to hell, how could we possibly Keep silent. How could we possibly let them, let them alone when we know what their end is? My question for you tonight is, do you believe what their end is? Do you believe in hell? Do you, do you believe in a place where the heat never goes out and the worm dies not? It is a place where there is gnashing of teeth. Do we believe in such a place? How could we believe in such a place? And stay silent beside these people every day? Jonathan Edwards said that a man will burn for a thousand years before he realizes that this is my lot every day, before he even has an idea of what eternity might be or ever. How could we possibly understand that, know that, believe that, and maintain the silence that we maintain? Those of us who are awake, we are aware of the severity of sin. We are aware of the lot of those that reject Jesus Christ. And we are at work to make sure that not a single one that we could possibly bring the good news to will die and perish and burn in hell for eternity. I'm asking you tonight to wake up. Singers and musicians, make your way back. I'm asking you tonight to wake up. Let me talk to you young people for a moment. American culture teaches you that the time to take life seriously is 18. Here's the reality. We tell you that you can make a decision about whether or not you spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell as early as five, four, four, five five years old, whenever you can make the decision, if you're responsible enough to make that decision that early, then you're responsible for every jot. You're responsible for every tittle. You're responsible for every single word in this book. Can I encourage you tonight? You better start living with a fear of God. The very first sin recorded in the New Testament, the very first. Anybody know it? Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to God. Ever lied to God? Talking to adults too now. Ever lied to God? They were killed immediately for that sin by God. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds. Oh, man, calm down now. God loves us. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace. He's willing to forgive. Yes, he's willing to forgive the the heart that has been humbled and has become aware of who they really are. He is not willing to forgive those who passively walk around thinking it doesn't matter how they live. Hear me tonight. If you think that you can just play God for a fool, you've lost your mind. He knows every thought. He knows every action. He sees every keystroke on your phone and on your computer. He sees it all, guys. And let me tell you what God did across the church when Ananias and Sapphira died. And here's probably what you and I really need in America today. The Bible says that great fear spread across the church. The two words in the Greek are megaphobos, a great and powerful and mighty fear. What they learned on that day was this God that was giving grace and mercy and forgiveness was the same God of the old covenant the same God of the Old Testament, and He is not to be played with or taken lightly. This is to all of us tonight. God is to not be played with and not to be taken lightly. He is holy, He is righteous, He is mighty, and He is powerful. Before He delivered a rebuke to the churches of Revelation, a diagnostic, of what was really going on inside of them. What He knew about them. Oh, you can put on the face in church, but Jesus has eyes of fire that penetrate what we cannot see. Jesus gives a description of Himself. John gives a description of Jesus before He searches their hearts, before He tries their reigns. And in that picture of Jesus, there are Im- there's so much imagery in the book of Revelation. One of the images of Christ, Revelation four and five, he's a sacrificial lamb that is worshiped and honored throughout all of, the, of, of heaven. But before he tells us about what's really going on inside of our hearts, here's what he wants us to see. He has hair that's white as wool. He has a robe of righteousness that flows down to his feet. He has a golden sash around His chest. It speaks of His uh, his authority and power. His feet are like brass, and there is fire that shoots from His eyes. More like lightning would be the correct imagery there. What it means is it's powerful, it's mighty, it's penetrating. He can divide your heart to the soul and the spirit. He knows everything that's really going on inside of you. Out of His mouth comes a sword with a double edge. Looking at Him is like looking at the sun when it's shining at its full strength. This is the Jesus that is overseeing your heart, your mind, and your life tonight. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you're asleep. He knows if you're taking Him seriously tonight or not. And He's calling you tonight to make a commitment. All of us. All of us. All of us to wake up. All of us to begin to purify ourselves and make us ready. All of us to receive the power necessary to go into the world and to tell the world about Him. He's calling us to awake. Stand to your feet tonight. Are you awake? Are you awake tonight? Have you purchased oil? Because he might come at any moment, any hour. If he came right now, where do you go? If he were to return right now, are you making heaven your home? Bow your heads tonight. If you're unsure of what I've just asked, will you raise your hand? If you cannot say with confidence where you'll spend eternity, will you raise your hand tonight? I see that hand, young man. Anyone else tonight? You better make things right. We better make things right while we can. Not one of us is promised tomorrow. Not one. Let's pray tonight. I'm gonna to ask everyone to repeat these words after me, if you would help me tonight. We're gonna to repeat these words. If you're watching by internet, you need to make things right with God. You're, you're not ready. Tonight's your night. Tonight's the night you can make it ready. He sees. He sees what we can't see. He knows what's going on. Let's lift our hands all over this place tonight. Let's pray. Repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I come to, you tonight come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, I am sorry for my sins, for the way that I've been living, for the things that I've done. Please forgive me tonight. Forgive me tonight. Lord, wash me. Lord, wash me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Tonight I make Jesus Christ the Savior of my soul. Tonight I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I promise to follow Him, to commit my ways to Him, to love Him for the rest of my life. Tonight, based upon my faith, I can say that I'm washed, that I'm cleansed, that I'm forgiven, that I am saved. Give the Lord praise tonight. If you feel that you need to spend some time with the Lord in these altars tonight, because you've been living as though you were asleep, And it's time to wake up and it's time to be about our father's business. There is only a little bit of day left and the night is coming where none of us will be able to work how awful of a thing it would be to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have him exposed to us every day, every day that we wasted. If you need to let the Lord deal with you tonight about some things, come to these altars tonight as they, feel, as they sing whatever they feel led to sing.